Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Space. The final frontier. I've always wanted to say that for real. Anyway, who has not been fascinated by space and stars and the moon and all the amazing stuff that we don't know about that we can just see sparkling away in the heavens? Well, that was the dream of Libby Jackson when she was a little girl from writing a travel guide to Mars when she was in primary school, to space school, to two weeks at NASA for her school work experience. She went on to study physics, astronautics and space engineering. She ended up working at the European Space Agency in a dream job as the Columbus flight director. She then went on to manage Tim Peake's mission in terms of the education and the outreach programme and is now continuing to work in the field, but also has written two amazing books, which my daughter loved. Now, talking of my daughter, I have a very special co-host today. She joins me. Her name's Emily. She's 10 and a half, and she is fascinated by all things space. I have lost track of the number of bits of NASA memorabilia and clothing in this house right now. And it was just an absolute thrill for her to speak to Libby. It was so brilliant. She asked some great questions. I really hope you enjoy her contribution. She's only on at the beginning because she was quite nervous and she she wanted to ask her questions and then I got on with the rest of the interview. And Libby was just brilliant with her. She adores quite clearly talking to young people and enthusing them and passing on her passion for this, her life's mission. We talk about all sorts of things in the interview. Libby is very humble, but quite clearly very passionate and very determined in her career. And it was just an absolute joy and a pleasure and great to talk about something that I really have not much knowledge on. So really very, very interesting. I hope you enjoy. As always, please leave me a review if you would like to. I had one just recently and I would like a very to say a very big thank you to Ziggy Zaggy Zoo One from Australia for her review and a lovely comment left by Irene on the website with regards to last week's episode with Nikki Scott. Thank you, everybody. It means the world to me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Libby. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? Oh, I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be chatting with you today. Oh, well, it's absolutely our pleasure. Now, for a very special one-off, well, maybe not one-off, but definitely for the first time, I have a co-host today who is very keen to talk to you. This is my daughter, Emily. Hello. Hey, Emily. And Emily, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, Yes, my name is Emily. Uh, I live in Switzerland. I'm 10 years old. And why did you particularly want to join Mummy today on the podcast? Uh, well, I'm really interested in space and stuff like that. And what did you get for Christmas? I got a Libby's book, uh, A Galaxy of Her Own. Wow. And you thought that she would be a good person for Mummy to interview, didn't you? Yes. So there you go, Libby. That is my co-host for today. And so she, Emily's going to ask you some questions before we get into it. So, Emily, do you want to go ahead? Yes. I first got into space when we started studying the names of the planets at school. At what age and how did you get into space? 
I wish I knew the answer to that. I I don't remember not liking space. But what I, I remember liking when I was young was looking up at the stars out in the night sky and, and wondering what they were and, and what was there. Um, so I, I loved looking at the stars. And I also loved reading about the stories of astronauts and particularly the the adventures that the astronauts had, had gone through when they went to the moon back in the 1960s, which when I was a little girl in the 1980s seemed like a lifetime ago. Um, and now it really is a lifetime ago that that all happened. Um, so it was just reading about astronauts and seeing things. Um, uh, one of my earliest memories, though, about space was that um, I must have been about, oh, seven or eight about about your age, might might have been eight, nine, ten, something like that, and um, we had to do some homework at school one holiday to write a travel guide for somewhere that we wanted to go to, um, and the teachers I think thought we would we would go to places like Switzerland or to America or to Italy or something like that, and I wrote one for Mars because I thought going to Mars <laughs> seemed like the best thing to do. So I yeah I I don't remember not liking space. I've just always found it really interesting. Hmm. What exactly is your job and what do you do on a daily basis? I used to work in mission control. I worked alongside um, the astronauts and I, um, yeah, it was just like you see in the movies sometimes. It was brilliant fun. That sounds really cool. Who is your favourite out of your first book, A Galaxy of Her Own, and why? I can't choose one. That's a really hard question, Amelie. That's 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 like oh, asking someone to to I don't know choose their favourite toy or their favourite um, relative in a family. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, there are so many lovely stories in there, um, and so many different people from from right through history. Um, but one of the things I really like is that that so many of them in their stories um, they didn't listen to people when they were told, eh, you shouldn't do this. This isn't for you. And, and in lots of different times, where you go back to um, Emily de Chatelet right at the beginning, through to Peggy Whitson, who's one of the most flown um, astronauts, a superb astronaut. She's been NASA's chief astronaut. Lots of people through, through history have been told that just because of what you look like or where you come from, your dream of, of working in space or being part of the space industry it is, is not on. And they've all shown that you should never listen to people like that. And you should always keep doing the things that you enjoy doing. And it's not up to other people um, whether something's the right thing for you or not. It's up to you. And what is it you're, you want to do? What's, what's your big interest? Tell Libby. Well, I would like to go to into space one day and maybe even work in the International Space Station. Oh, well, you know what the most exciting thing is, is that, that that can happen. And not only now, it's, it's such an exciting time in space, but we're getting more and more people going into space because it, it's opening up. And, and today, and I, I mean this when I say this, if you started saving money now, in your lifetime, you could buy a ticket to go to space. And when I was your age, I used to see um, Concorde fly over. So Concorde was this supersonic aeroplane. It was really for the rich and famous and very glamorous and only the richest people could afford to go on it. And I had this dream that one day I might be able to save up all my money and I could choose to, to buy one ticket on Concorde and, and experience that. 
And I think that's true today for, for people like you, Emily. If, if, if you saved up, you might not be able to buy a ticket all the way um, to the International Space Station, though you can. If you work really hard and you know get really successful, you, you can buy those tickets now. But I think in your lifetime, you, you, you know, an average person would be able to decide to buy a ticket and go into space for a few minutes and see the curvature of the Earth and experience weightlessness and, and all those other things. So space is something that all of us use every single day, but it's going to change so much in the coming decades. It's, it's a really, really exciting time. And you're right at the right place and time to go and be a part of that. It's fantastic. And if you wanted to, if she wanted to work in space or go and work for uh, European Space Agency and that sort of thing, what sort of things do you need to be good at at school? You need to do, Emily, whatever you enjoy doing. The space industry is wide ranging and full of all sorts of different people. So um, there are science, people with science degrees and, and technical degrees and people who design spacecraft or, do, or research, do research experiments that go into space. But there are space lawyers and there are people who work for space agencies and space companies who you know write websites. And there are journalists who report on the space industry. There are so many different sorts of jobs. Um, but the most important thing is to do what you enjoy because then you'll do well at it. And if you do well at it, you'll be able to you know get more jobs and, and, and go further. Um, and it it's so much easier to do well at things you enjoy. And, and then if the space industry is something that excites you, there'll, there'll be a way into it um, for whatever it is that, that you enjoy doing. That sounds really cool. So in the introduction to your book, A Galaxy of Her Own, you said you went to space school. What, what was it like? Oh, space school was brilliant. Um, so, and space school is still still happening today. Um, when I went, it was um, five days at uh, Brunel University, which was out in the west of London. And today it's at Leicester University, uh, more in, in the middle of the UK. And it was wonderful because I, I went along and I um, had lessons and practical experiments. We launched rockets. I worked out how to, to try and land an egg to stop it breaking under a parachute or something like we have to land rovers on um, planets, that sort of thing. And I visited um, a space company in the UK where they were building satellites. And it was the first time that I started to understand that space, which was something that I really enjoyed and, and was thought was really interesting, might be something I could do one day as a job. And um, yeah, it, it was great. And it was it was certainly the first time I started to understand that there was this brilliant space industry in the UK, across Europe and around the world, um, and that I could have a job in it if I wanted to. Yeah, that's really cool. I, w I would like to go to space school once. How does it feel sending people to space? It's very exciting. Um, but it's, it, it's also, um, I want to say very nerve wracking, but I think that's the, the, the wrong word. When, whenever somebody sits on top of a rocket and, and is launching into space, they know and everybody who's built the rocket knows and everyone who's involved in the mission knows and we understand the risks and, and the danger. Um, a rocket is a very carefully controlled bomb. You know, there's lots of explosive fuel um, that it's going to explode at just the right time in a very controlled manner to propel that rocket up into space, um, into orbit and onto the destination. And we all 
understand those risks and all work very, very hard to make sure that everything is as safe as it can be. And that's why it's one of the reasons why um, anything that goes into space is tested and tested and tested over again. And, and we make sure we're doing everything and, and we and we do it um, in the safest possible way. Um, but it's you always still know that there's there's people you know there and, and you know, it's, it's always it's amazing to see them go into space and get safely there. And it always brings a smile to your face as well when they come back to Earth safely as well. Cool. Mummy um, just told me that you have a new book called Space Explorers. What's it about? I do. So Space Explorers is 25 stories that are all completely true. They've happened um, in space with the people who went into space. Right back, um, starts at the, in the earliest days with Yuri Gagarin, who was the first person to go into space, um, all the way through to what's happening today. And they are amazing, extraordinary adventures that you might think are made up, but they include things like how Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, who were the first two people to land on the moon, would have got stuck there if it wasn't for a felt-tip pen. And how the International Space Station um, was repaired with a toothbrush <laughs> on a spacewalk. Um, what, there was all sorts of different stories, um, things that have happened, real stories that I think are brilliant and exciting. And I've really enjoyed writing them in a way for young people like you, Emily, to, to read and enjoy and to discover the exciting things that happened in the past in, with humans going into space and, and sort of what's happening now and looking to the future as well. What is the, your favourite thing you have learned in your career? What a wonderful question. My favourite thing I've learned is that you should never be afraid to ask because if you don't ask, you won't get. Nobody reads your mind. And so it's really important to, to ask questions and to, to look out for opportunities. I had a, a an amazing experience when I was 17 and I went to visit NASA and I saw um, mission control and everything that happened around human spaceflight. And that was really the thing that set me off on this mad, crazy dream that I might one day work in human spaceflight, which I didn't think was real. But if I hadn't have asked, that never would have happened. And the worst thing that happens if, you, if, you, if you're polite and you ask a question, um, the worst thing that happens is you don't hear an answer back. You're more likely to hear an answer back and someone say, no, I'm terribly sorry, but they might be able to offer you some help. And the best thing that happens is that somebody says, yes, of course, I can do that. And if you'd have never asked the question, um, you never would have known. And I, I think asking questions and, and grabbing opportunities when they come along is something that is, is really good for everybody to do. Thanks. What do you think is the future of space? That's a huge question. And uh, you know, lots of different ways to answer that. It, it's a really exciting time um, for humans in space at the minute because um, we've been learning how to live and work in what we call low Earth orbit, where astronauts are on the International Space Station, um, for really the last 50 years or so. And we've had humans um, continuously inhabiting the space station for 20 years. It's amazing. The whole time you've been alive, Emily, there has been people in space. And nearly, really, the whole time I've been alive, there's been people in space, which is crazy. But we've been, except for the excitement of the Apollo missions in, in the late 1960s and 1970s, we haven't left. Um, we haven't 
low Earth orbit. We haven't gone further than 200 miles away. And that's changing. There are plans now for the Artemis missions. Um, we're going to see humans go back to the moon. Uh, is quite exciting because uh, the new U.S. president, uh, President Biden, has um, said that he will con- he, he intends to continue the work that that President Trump um, sort of put in place to to establish these missions, and so it looks like they're going to keep going, which is exciting. And so we're going to see people go back to the moon, and I get really excited about this because. I, it was those stories that excited me, and and I read when I was I was your age, and and learn all about this amazing thing that I had never seen and just imagined it, and now it's going to happen again, and you think about how exciting the images and the footages of um, those Apollo missions of, of people walking on the moon and, and the the lunar module landing there and and looking back at the Earth and how beautiful it all is. And we're going to see all of that in today's 21st century technology world where we have high definition camera and live streaming. And it's exciting now when astronauts talk to us from the space station and they send us things on social media. And you imagine what it's going to be like when they're on the surface of the moon. And I oh, it's just it's going to be really exciting to watch. And I, that's coming. Um, and so that's that's the, the short-term future. We could talk about the long-term future as well. Lots and lots, and lots of exciting things coming, and, and we'll see what happens. Is that the end of your questions? Yes, I think so. Can't think there's nothing else you want to ask? Mm. I'll tell you what I want to see. I want to see the first selfie from the moon. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> the first Instagram live. Yeah, they couldn't take those before because of where the cameras were set up. And yeah, we'll absolutely see that. Yeah, how exciting. Well, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Did you enjoy that, Emily? It was it was very much fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And maybe uh, for your birthday, we'll uh, get Libby's next book. Oh, there's a very happy face. You can't see it, but there's a very happy looking face on there. (laughs) Oh, I hope you enjoy reading the stories. Thank you. Okay, right. Thank you, sweetheart. I'm going to let you go and you can help daddy with tea. Okay. Bye. 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 Thank you, sweetheart. Well done. That was great. So, yes. Amazing. I I would really love to know, you said right when you were chatting to Emily there, that you particularly loved working with children and young people. What is it that... It gives you that spark. Like, how? Why do you love that so much? That's a really interesting question. I, I don't know. I've ever really thought about it before, but I, I know that I always have. Um, it's, it's almost like that same question about you know why, why do I like space? When I was a student, you know, back when I even in my early twenties, um, I was involved in a student organisation um, called UK SED, Students for the Exploration and Development of Space, and they, they're fantastic. They're a great organisation. In fact, they've got SEDs. Um, bits all over the place and always big shout out to them and anyone who's young and wants to get involved in space they should anyway the point is that even then I was wanting to go into schools and share this excitement of space and the wonder of it and I think it is it, it to me it's that wonder the excitement of looking out looking up the challenges that it faces that the problem solving um, and 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 just sort of being able to explain to people a bit about that, I suppose I, I, I enjoy. I don't know. It's a really tricky question to answer. Well, I just, I wondered if it was to do with the fact that you remember so clearly your fascination with it and your sort of, pardon the pun, but the starry eyedness of it and, and like mm. how you would love for other people, other, you know, children or young people to feel the same, maybe. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, 
I, I have lots of uh, younger brothers and sisters, and now I have lots of nieces and nephews as well. And what I think for me, it's that it is my subject and it's what I've learned. And I enjoy being able to share that knowledge and um, explain things to people. There was a moment I had um, with uh, a friend's son who was, I guess, yeah, must have been 10 or 11 and was asking me, or was asking my, my friend, is Libby will know the answer to this, and, and was asking about, you know, how does the moon work and why does the moon change shapes and that sort of thing. Mm. And and to be, I, I got um, oh, a couple of bits of fruit out and was got a light out and was sort of showing how the moon went around the earth and, and, and the sense of wonder and excitement and, and the light bulb and, and the explaining that went on. I, I think I enjoy seeing that in young people. And, and there's there's a, a lot of my job is is about talking and and sharing i in my past was an instructor and in, in teaching people and so, so i suspect somewhere I'm in, buried in all of there is just an enjoyment of sharing knowledge and and helping people you know learn things that they want to and share this this wonder and excitement it's a topic i just I, I love i find it fascinating so i want to talk about it that's really great but it's it's such a skill because it's not off, you know, you sort of think about people with a great deal of intelligence and interest in their subject, and they're not always able to pass that on. Like I, mm. uh, you know, my husband has just got that skill, I think comes from a family of teachers and that ability to pass on knowledge and to make other people understand and, and enthuse them, I think is the most extraordinary gift um, because it doesn't come to everyone and I'm not entirely sure it can necessarily be taught so I love that <laughs> I mean it can be taught to a certain degree I understand mm. but uh, there is that you know that absolute passion for passing on information which is just just fabulous so um, I just wanted to go back a little bit wind back Emily asked you a few questions about space school and getting to NASA and so on and I loved, uh, I also read, obviously, the introduction to your, your book, A Galaxy of Her Own. And I loved the, 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 you said, the feeling you got from being in mission control. And I was interested, first of all, to hear what that feeling is like firsthand. And second of all, you said there was peace and tranquility. And that really surprised me. I kind of thought it would be like a really frenetic, like movie star place. And I know that's very naive, possibly, but Tell me about that because that really surprised me. It, it's that exact same feeling to me as when you walk into something somewhere like a cathedral because mission control rooms are usually big rooms because you've got you know teams of, of three, four, five, six, seven people, you know sometimes more with banks of screens showing all the telemetry, um, all the data that's that's coming back from whichever spacecraft it is that's being looked at. That, so you have you have this lots of data all lit up, and so they're usually quite dark, windowless places. Usually, I'm I'm trying to think of all the different mission control rooms I've been in over the years, um, and I think they're all windowless. Um, they're off, you know they're buried somewhere. Sometimes they're in secure areas um, because you know, if if the world goes wrong around you you still need to keep your spacecraft flying. So they're quite often um, tucked away out of sight. Um, and everybody who's in there is is focused and calm on the mission. And when, when something goes wrong, which it will, everybody's very trained and very well practiced in dealing with 
how things go wrong. And, and you get there because you've done lots of training and lots of practices and lots of what we call simulations where you sit in the same room and rather than have a real spacecraft on the end of your computers, uh, you have a computer that's pretending to be a spacecraft and then some very sneaky individuals will sort of throw spanners into the works, get this computer to pretend it's got a a broken rocket thruster or if you're in a space station there's water leak or something and you practice these things in a in a safe environment where you've not got the real spacecraft to go wrong um, so that's how you practice and you practice and that's how then when the real things happen you remain very calm um, you don't get worked up you just sort of quietly talk and everybody's talking to each other through headsets I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you with a with a microphone headset on and even if I was talking to somebody over the other side of the room in mission control, you're normally talking on these headsets and you're talking to people around the other side of the world. So it's a very quiet environment. Mm. And and it, it really, to me, does have that that feeling. Um, I know I, I got it the very first time I, I went into mission control when I was young. Uh, and I thought, oh, this, this is it. This is this is this is amazing. This is this is what I want to do. And it was the problem solving for me. That that is always the thing that really excites me. And and then when I went for my job interview um, years later in in Germany to to what would eventually lead me to become a flight controller and a flight director, it was that same sense. And, and you just walk in and there's just peace and calm, and everybody focused on what they're doing. Um, makes my, oh, even now just talking to you about it, it makes my spine tingle. It's <laughs> it's, it's it's really quite quite a place, and my heart will always be in mission control. And so, oh gosh, so much I want to ask you from that whole answer. I want to very quickly just go quickly back to when it goes wrong because you made me think of. I interviewed towards the end of last year uh, the, the second ever tornado fast jet female fast jet pilot in the RAF and she said something very similar so that so that you trained and trained and trained and simulators and so on like so much that by the time she was was flying over Iraq with surface-to-air missiles firing at her her she said her navigator said break right Mandy and she just did it Mm -hmm. there was no panic there was no nothing she just did what she had been trained to do and I love that I find as someone who's never been in a career where that level of training is necessary I I find that absolutely fascinating especially with well her with her multi-million pound plane and you with like the lives of actual people in space in your hands it it is but it's and it's now something I I guess I was always like that and I still am today I can go back to childhood memories and, and it was lovely talking to Emily I even when I was young, you know, oh, 17, 18, whatever it was, we were all went off to a, you know, big ride theme park like Chessington or Alton Towers or mm. something like that. And everybody goes, oh, it's gone, it's roller coaster. And I would not want to, I'd be really nervous about going on it for the first time because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was. Once I'd been on it once and I understood it, I was like, it's brilliant, you know, let's go <laughs> around and around and around again. And and even today, if I find myself in a situation where not that the things are unexpected, but that I can kind of know that if they're unexpected, I don't quite know what to do with myself. That's what I don't like. It, it, it's that being prepared and thinking through the what ifs. Uh, I it's, as life in mission control sort of teaches you, but what came first you know did, did I end up in mission control because and, and they taught me to sort of think like this or did I end up and then or 
was it because I'm used to someone who just thinks like that, that I was good in full mission control and that's where I ended up? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Chicken and um, egg. Yes. But, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know, I work through any plan today as well. What if this and what if that? And, and, and work down the different sort of thought processes to think about well, what will happen in these different scenarios. And I find it a very useful tool for just dealing with anything and everything. I'm you know, thinking about moving house at the minute and thinking about mm. what if this and what if that. And it's, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's what you train for in, in those situations. But I find it very useful for dealing with life day to day as well. I love that. And you were talking about risks with Amelie and, and you knowing that when you put human beings at the top of a very highly controlled bomb, that there is a risk and everybody knows hmm. it. Are there times when, despite all the training, despite the knowledge that there is a risk, that there have been some very serious heart in mouth moments oh absolutely and i've had fortunately not humans but there were payloads that is a, so payload is is something that goes into space experiments i I've, I've watched them explode you know i i was um part of teams that that, that well i i was looking after what was done for uh, Tim Peake's mission to the space station mm-hmm. and it was working with various teams and I was warning them that that this can happen, that, that, that rockets can explode and that's why we build the backups and so on. Um, and uh, we had, you know, the, these experiments had been built, the, the hardware was in the rocket uh, everybody was tuning in, watching it. This this was part, I should say, this was part of the education program for Tim's mission. So we were mm. working with people who were not used to the world of space. They hadn't sent things into space before. And they all tuned in. And it was a weekend, I think it was a Saturday afternoon or something. And everybody watched this rocket. And a couple of minutes later, it was in pieces because it had had a problem and it had exploded. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, that's what happens. And I'm immediately thinking about, right, what do we do next? And we've got the backups and that's fine. And when are they going to fly? And all the poor people who weren't used to this were kind of, their hearts were in their mouths go, oh my God, it really did explode. And it was, say that in that example, it it fortunately wasn't people, but it it did bring home to me Mm. um, what that training and that life had enabled me to do, which was to look at it and go, yeah, sure. Okay. That's happened. And and we carry on and and for everybody else it was it was a bit different that, that that's very fortunate so in that case it was very fortunate and very, yes. that it was it was completely replaceable bits of of um hardware um, but yeah but but you you know you work in mission control and there are times when things go wrong um there was a a, a, a whole situation that happened to me one christmas um where at some point, uh, it, because of something I had authorised, um, we were worried that potentially there was a risk of ammonia, which is, which is a deadly, deadly substance, mm. uh, getting into the space station, and that would have killed the crew instantly. And we worked through it, and it was um, all done. But even when I look back at that whole situation, at the time, you work through it and you're aware of it but it was only when I looked back actually did I have my heart in my mouth in that same way because it was only when you reflect on it back that you sort of realize what it meant in a way that at the time Mm. you knew what it meant but you were just doing your job. Also exactly what Mandy Hickson said the pilot the RAF pilot and also Dee Kafari who's a a record holding round the world yachtswoman solo mm. and she's they both said exactly the same very often you're just very focused on getting it fixed getting it sorted and it's going to be fine and you haven't got time to think 
holy cow. It's only afterwards that you go, wow, that was pretty intense. Mm. That could have been really serious. Yeah. And, but it was, and it's always actually that intensity, I think, that, that drew me to mission control. And mm. um, we would run these simulations, these practice sessions, um, and I, I would love it. You'd, you'd, you, you would be overloaded, and that's what's the point of them was to, to push you and to, and to learn. But you'd be juggling these, you know, five different problems and and having to sort mm. of make sure you were thinking about them. And I, I think for me, I, I enjoyed that. I, yeah, the the, the the pace, the challenge. It, it comes back to me for problem solving. I, there's mm. something to me very satisfying about solving a problem that for me just makes me happy and I think that's that's what I look for in, in 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 my career somehow and so then you moved on from the being a Columbus flight director which extraordinary doing that at age 30 was that is that young is that normal is that were you a prodigy no I, th- I think one of the things that surprise people about mission control is that it's it's actually quite a, a young place uh-huh. um, it was true back in the Apollo era that the people who were there working hard landing uh, Neil and Buzz and, and all the rest of them on the moon the average age of the people in those rooms I think was about 26 or 27 um, it, it's a typically um, graduate job to get into to mission operations and, and to work your way through so I, I don't think I appreciated that while I was, you know, 18 and dreaming of this. And certainly there are people who who stay in mission control for many, many years and enjoy it. And there's a whole set of reasons why I didn't. But yeah, I, I think it was it, it's not as unusual as you might think, because it's it's a very young person's um, area to get into. And one I would encourage any young person thinking of to, to look at, I think is a fantastic place um, to start. And I think it, for all the reasons we've been talking about, stands you in, in very good stead for embracing a career through life and, and learning how to solve problems and mm. um, juggle those different competing um, situations, whatever they are in life, that's kind of what jobs can throw at you. And is it a young person's job partly because there's, you know, you straight out with the latest information, the latest and all the sort of new way of looking at life. Also, young person's I don't know stamina. What? Why is it such a? Uh, yeah, I, I I think it is is both of those things. Is to to become um, someone who works in mission control, you need nothing more. And this sounds very derogatory, and it's not meant to be. But you, you need nothing more than than a technical mind and an ability to solve problems, mm. because whatever spacecraft you are going to learn how to fly you have to start from scratch. Every single mm. one of them is different. You, you, you've got to learn the systems, learn the commands. Um, it, it's in some ways a completely transferable skill and, and, and not at all. So I think it suits graduates who, who've got the world before them. Mm. And it's, it's a lot of shift work. You know? <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> it's, you're right about the stamina. I mean, it's, and I know, I know that the opposite of that. I, I know people who are there for years and years and years, um, who have come, you know, would choose to, to do it late in their career. But I, th- I think it is more unusual for someone later uh, who hasn't got into it early to then turn around and go, yes, I want to go and find a job where I'm going to have to commit myself to working night shifts and weekends and, <laughs> and all sorts of things. So it's, there's many different reasons, I think, why that's true. Uh, okay. And so then you moved on to manage the education and outreach for Tim Peake's flight to the International Space Station. Now, 
obviously, as a Brit, I know what an a massive source of national pride that was for the whole of the UK and that he, his flight alone, but he personally captured the imagination of just millions of people from kids to grannies. And what a huge honour to be able to, I don't know if it was an honour, was it a huge honour? Was it exciting? Was it as amazing as we all think it would have been? (laughs) Yes, all of those things. Um, I've been very lucky. I really, I, I put it down to like throughout my career, I think I have been very lucky that events that have got nothing to do with me seem to have landed to slot quite nicely into my career at just the right mm. time. And uh, Tim Tim's flight being one of them. E- even you, you go back to my time in, in mission control, I was there as the Columbus module, the, the European part of the International Space Station um, launched. I was, you know, I, I was brought into the team to get ready for that and then see that through its, its first years of life. And one of the reasons that that fitted into my career, actually, and it's tragic, but you go back, it's it's because um, there was the the absolutely tragic Columbia accident that mm. delayed the shuttle program and delayed the flight of the Columbus module for a few years. And if, you know, you just look back and go, if that hadn't happened at this time and this time, it just wouldn't have slotted into me being in that right place at the right time. Mm. It's It's been uh, enormously lucky and, and I, I still... I, I, I still can't believe I get to do all these things. It, it, it's really quite, um, yeah, I, it, it's quite extraordinary. And what was there a favourite aspect of working with Tim? At, at Tim and I know you both you ran a marathon at the same time, the London Marathon. Him on a treadmill in the space station, and you dressed as an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Am I, is that right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that 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 was certainly memorable. It, for me, it, it's what it came back. It comes back to to where we started, which is that this passion of mine for for in yeah, seeing the wonder in, in, in young people's eyes and opening their minds to the possibilities that are there and, and what it can be and em- empowering them to to realize that you can do things and that there's the you know, the, sometimes the biggest limiting factor is is you. Yeah. And 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 if if you don't believe that it's possible and believe in yourself, then then almost you you've sort of you know lost before you've even started. And absolutely, there's so many other things in life that will get thrown at people and challenges. And I, I we talk about that for a long time. But I th- I think somewhere in my upbringing, I've been very lucky that no, I I don't remember anyone kind of saying you're nuts to think about that mm. or if they did laugh I just didn't pick it up I was possibly <laughs> just very blinkered and and didn't notice and and that has allowed me to to carry on and when I see young people today in space we start you know hearing or thinking it's not for me you you'd still you walk into a shop today and you can see a blue area and a mm. pink area and they might they haven't got labels on because people have learned that labels are bad but there's a blue area that's full of um you know rockets and stars and dinosaurs and and motorbikes and tractors and there's a pink area that's full of uh, rainbows and unicorns and fairies and Babies. all these things and it, it it oh it drives me nuts mm. and i've seen it in in my own uh, nieces and nephews and 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 sort of of you know they've loved space and suddenly they they get to school and they start learning that space is for boys and I'm a girl so I can't possibly mm. like it and it just it it's nonsense and and there's something in that that 
that keeps me wanting to to empower just young people whatever they look like to to feel um able to to dream the dreams and and do the things that they'd like to do and I often say I just want everybody to be happy. Oh. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention about the blue and the pink and the, you know, sort of the expectations. And obviously that that's a theme throughout your book that we have, The Galaxy of Her Own. Mm. Because when Amelie, so Amelie wrote all those questions herself. She didn't, she asked me to look at them and I added, I think, one. Um, but she did all those questions herself. And what I loved most about her questions, other than the questions, was that there was nothing in there that asked about being a girl going to space. Mm. And I find that so extraordinary because um, my generation, we were quite, we were still in, of the age where, you know, well, women couldn't be on the front line. Women couldn't do this. Mm. Women couldn't do that. And I'm hopeful that for her, that's not even a thing. Oh, I hope Does so too. Yes. Because she didn't even, it didn't occur to her. Well, I should ask her, how should I do it? Because I'm a girl. She just wanted to know all about it and how would I do it? Or, you know, what that sort of thing. And I love that. I, I felt, and, and I, I read recently about that. You shouldn't tell girls you can do anything you want because that puts into their head that that might actually not be an option. You know, do you, do you know what I mean? It, it's a real challenge, and and actually, when I was writing a galaxy of her own, I had to fight quite hard with the publishers sometimes to say that this is a book for everybody, mm. and and they wanted it in the marketing. They said this is a book for girls, and you can go and be a girl. I was like, no, this is a book for everyone. It's mm. very important that we tell the story of women in the space industry because it is a male-dominated place mm. and people need to see that it's for everybody. But it's not just girls who need to learn that. Everybody does. And one, I always find that question very hard when people say, what advice have you got to girls heading into the industry? Okay, well, what is it just about girls heading yeah. into the industry? I want everybody to head into the industry. And I have concerns. It's a personal thing. But if you start talking to to young women about space or to young boys about ballet you know that it, yeah. it's the same thing um and you start saying well it's going to be hard mm. well then they see the barriers there before they even start and i actually there aren't as many barriers as there used to be as, as you've just said mm. you know there are not the limits we should be saying to young people go do what you want to do and i I really hope that that's there. And I, I as you say, I, I love that that wasn't something, it wasn't a question that got asked and I hope it, it doesn't occur to her. And my, my same niece who, who was um, wondering about space and girls and boys, one of my favourite moments was when <laughs> completely unprompted, um, there was a book lying around, um, I think at my, at my mum's house. And it was, if it was from the charity shop or something and it was, stories for boys or something mm -hmm. like that and she had gone and got a piece of paper and stuck and girls on it <laughs> <laughs> just yes oh that that's what it is everything is for everybody yes um and that's what I hope I, I hope everybody um gets out my books and and just generally thinks that that's a good way to you know go through life well I quite agree because I have a son and a daughter and I I grew up as quite a tomboy but I also like you know to, well back in the day when we could get dressed up and go out you know remember those days 
you know, I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, no, me neither. It's been back in the dark ages. Um, but you know, mm. I love that. I love, I love both elements and I love, so Emily has an older brother. She has a very sporty, adventurous daddy and a sporty mommy. And I love seeing her, you know, she just came up with this space thing really probably in the last six months. And she said, I'm going to work on the international space station. And we said, brilliant. Go for it. Not like, oh, well, you need to be good at maths and you'll need to, you know, well, that'll be, no, that's, and and, crikey, I certainly not boasting about my parenting, but in that aspect, (laughs) I was like, yes, do it, go, be be an astronaut, be a flight controller, be all those things that you said earlier. I love that about, because I um, interviewed a a sports lawyer uh, last year and she said, when people ask her, how did you get into being a sports lawyer? She said, well, become a lawyer. And then, or become a whatever, and then find your way into yeah to the to the sports sort of thing. You know, find the thing that you love, and then go down the direction of the the sort of the umbrella, if you like, if that makes sense. It's exactly the same thing in in the space industry, and I think that is true advice for any yeah. any way. The, the 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 biggest thing I remember looking back at school was, and we had to go to a careers. <sighs> Fair and you know, and and it was you could be an accountant or you could be a dentist or a. They, they were very narrow fields, yeah. and I, to me, the world is so diverse and exciting that any job you can think of, somebody has to do it. Yeah, and if they aren't doing it, well, then go and be the first person to do it. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, some somebody somewhere is designing the light bulbs that that go you know out in the streetlights, and somebody somewhere is having to go and work out what crops they're going to plant and someone somewhere is designing the cakes that you buy in the supermarket and it's just if you no one sort of tells you these things I think when you're young and and yet the beauty of young people is their imaginations are so wild that they've probably got the best imaginations of thinking what's the most exciting job you could ever do yeah no exactly and I I love you've mentioned the word industry a couple of times because I I love that you again, I think in your intro to the book or or somewhere else I read that you said, you know, it's the industry underpinning life. It's everything. It's, it's satellite, it's comms, it's exploring. It's, it's what we traditionally think of as space, but it's, it's everything now. Oh, it is. I, the, 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 I've often said that the next book I would love to write, <laughs> if anyone ever lets me, <laughs> there's a galaxy of her own is, is all about human spaceflight as, as is space explorers, because mm. that's what I know and what I've lived. But there are so many people who contribute and have done amazing things in this much wider area, satellite navigation that we all rely on um, every single day. Mm. Um, you know, the, the 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 women who Nancy Roman, who who was one of the people who was instrumental in getting the Hubble Space Telescope um, built, which has changed our understanding of how we mm. look out into space. And we've all seen these pictures of galaxies and nebulas, and that everywhere you look, right, the, there are there are exciting stories. But space is is really everywhere we look, from from weather forecasting to paying for things. If, if you've paid for something today, you've used space because you've used the timing mechanisms that are in those global navigation systems that keep the world ticking. Oh, I totally love that. And then you would worry about what happens when space gets turned off. And we would all notice very quickly yeah. in ways that perhaps people have never thought of. Oh, I love that. I, see, you've just given me that feeling of, oh, the possibilities are endless. I love that. <laughs> so you've written A Galaxy of Your Own, and then you wrote The Space Explorers, The 25 Extraordinary Stories of Space. I wanted to ask, because I, I haven't read the second one, but 
I loved how you managed to distill down into one page, like really evocatively and really well and easily readable and understandably all the, the, you know, these women's stories. How hard was that? It was so hard and also so it is so enjoyable. It was easy, but that's that, that's I, I enjoyed doing it a lot. The, one of the things about a galaxy of her own that perhaps will surprise people is just the people who went into mm. it, and and s- some of the names in there were were I were I knew the stories and I knew that they had to go in there. Um, so and now I'm trying to think of of some examples of that. But uh, Helen Sharman. Mm. You know, I, I, I knew her story. I knew I would want to put her in the book. And then there were names of people like Peggy Whitson, um, who's an amazing astronaut, um, done all sorts of spacewalks, been chief astronaut at NASA, um, just an all round, you know, I, to me, great um, role model. She, I knew her, but I didn't know her story. And then, then when I, I, I looked into it, I thought, oh, this is great. And this is what should go in. But then there were people who I'd never heard of. And it was as I was exploring, I discovered names like Mary Sherman Morgan, who is the the chemist, the, the, the rocket scientist who invented the fuel that yes. got the first um, American satellite into space. And without her, America wouldn't have got a satellite in space. And her story near, nearly got lost. It was only when her son started talking to her, her old friends and, and sort of digging into his parents' lives did he discover how much how important they'd been and how hidden these these stories were so I, I for me writing the book it was so much fun to uncover stories that I didn't know mm. it's like if I don't know this no one can know them <laughs> because because I it was it's an area that I really enjoy reading about and so it was it was it was such a privilege to be able to go and uncover some of those and then share them in yeah just a, a, a short page and certainly some of them I could have written much much more about and people have written much much mm. more about I, I must absolutely give credit to all the all the great authors and journalists and researchers who, who have dug into so many of more of these stories to uncover them in the first place for me to just then go and take a very small snippet and and share the story um, with such lovely illustrations as well yeah oh absolutely beautiful and did you say it was students that did the illustrations yeah, so for a galaxy of her own, it, they were all students at the London College of Communications. And for many of them, it was their first commission, first public commission. And I've been following some of them on Twitter and Instagram and seeing where their careers are going to. Oh. Um, and it was so lovely that we were able to give them an opportunity to to put some of their work into print. And then Space Explorers has, has been illustrated by a fabulous illustrator um, by the name of Leonard Dupont, and and Leonard's pictures just just bring everything to life in, in this amazing way that they're, they're um, really captured what I you know what I was trying to get across in words. He he's brought it to life in the pictures that that just make it sing really. Amazing. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing that because I think that will be on the birthday list this year. Thank you. That has just been so fascinating. I just wanted to reiterate something that you said to Emily earlier, and uh, I wanted to thank you personally for it because it's, you know, it's not often that, especially little girls get told that, don't be afraid to ask. And I love that. And you've mentioned a couple of times in this interview that you've been lucky, but I am always of the opinion that the harder you work and the more you ask, the luckier you get. I think it's true. I I I I know I've been lucky, but I know I've worked hard, and I I know I've um I, I don't know where this this came from, but I I look back 
there was a photograph of me taken giving a talk when I was about 22. And I just, it was a graduate and being asked to I don't know, share my thoughts on, on what it took to get started in the space industry or something like that. Um, and I, it amazes me that this got captured and that I still now have got this photograph. But it, it was my advice, age 22 to anyone who was listening. Mm. And 20, or nearly 20 years later, it's the same advice I'd give now. And, and I, I go and dig it out. But yes, yeah, it's, it's basically if you don't ask, you don't get. You know, don't be afraid to dream. Follow your heart and grab every opportunity that comes your way. And, and wherever my parents, my upbringing, life, whatever it was that, that, taught me that those were the, the things to do I'm very grateful for them because they've served me well and I just hope I can you know share for me my little bit of advice with with the world and and hope that some other people can you know go and and be empowered and and, and live their lives and and that it helps them somehow I love that thank you so much Libby because that that is exactly what this podcast is about it's about inspiring and empowering and you know showing examples of women like yourself who have led these extraordinary lives and careers and pushed boundaries and and so I love that thank you so much thank you and how can we follow you on sort of various social media and so on yes I'm on Twitter uh Libby Jackson with then two underscores at the end um okay. I managed to lock myself out of my original I have a long story no. but yes <laughs> on Twitter I'm Libby Jackson with two underscores at the end the same on Instagram and on Facebook I'm just Libby Jackson but Twitter is is where I tend to to be most most um conversive with the social media ah, world okay great and what's the you know you're you're still presumably right at the peak of your career what's what's the plan I mean staying where you are and I'm clearly not asking for about to change your job obviously that would be a weird thing to ask but what what's the future hold for you you know I don't know this is the it's a funny thing in in life at the minute I have been somebody who has had these mad crazy dreams and goals and have been lucky enough fortunate enough you know for whatever reasons I've, I've got to to fulfill them um, and it surpassed all my expectations. And so I sort of sit here going, what's going to come next? And you know, keep my eyes open for opportunities and grab them and, and keep doing things I enjoy. I, that for me is absolutely important, you know, the, to, to look out for, for things I want to do. Um, and I don't know what they are yet, but I'm sure they'll come along and uh, I'll keep keep sort of yeah keep keep getting on with stuff I like doing and um, talking to people like you is definitely one of those things I'm enjoying these sorts of opportunities when they come along oh brilliant well glad to be of service (laughs) no I love that I love that sort of enjoying it is also another theme of the uh of the podcast is people just you know we can get so caught up in stuff in life and it's really just about having that clear focus on what makes you happy? What makes your heart sing? What is it that makes you get up in the morning and get on? Yeah. And, and, and right now in the middle of lockdown, a lot of it is uh, what's growing in my garden at the minute. It's, that's been a recent discovery for me. And, um, you know, just uh, I've, I've learned this year uh, how to grow tomatoes and plants. And, and that's been really fun. So um, in my spare time, I'm getting very excited about gardening, which I never thought would happen. So it's all about <laughs> just, you know, keeping your eyes and open and open to new opportunities and embracing life and whatever it throws at you. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Libby. That was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, 
everything I hoped it would be. And Emily will be just buzzing, I'm sure, when I get downstairs to see her. So thank you for taking the time to chat to her too. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.